Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll get into this. Father, we thank you that you're already here. Holy Spirit, that you're moving. Jesus, that you're breathing on your people. I ask that you would bless this time together. Jesus, that you would have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, that you would move in and through me. That you would speak to this people. That you would breathe upon this lesson, this word, this time. That you would allow it to be good seed on good ground. That you would allow it to speak to the hearts of this people. That every distraction, every thought, every idea that would try to snatch away what you would have to say tonight, that it would be hindered by the Spirit of God and that you would plant this word deep into good soil and that you would use it to bring good fruit for the kingdom. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I am. Um, I have something that the Lord's given me to talk about for the next four weeks that I'm not super comfortable talking about. And um, that's okay, because um, he's the boss. So we're just going to go for it and, uh, and see where things kind of land. How many of you in here, how many of you in here feel like you are called and anointed to pray for the sick and see them healed? How many of you in here? So, so a, hand, a handful of us. A handful of us. I want to I read you something. Mark 16, verses 17 through 18. Jesus said, these are red letters, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them, if they lay their hands, and they will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall recover. Did you know that praying for the sick and seeing them recover is a mandate in the kingdom? It's actually a biblical mandate from Jesus to all who believe. It's not a mandate for the fivefold. It's not a mandate for first ladies. It's not a mandate for those who are connected to the ministry team. It's not a mandate for those who sing and praise and worship. It is a mandate for all who believe. I feel like you guys are already enjoying this pretty well. So this is going about as well as I expected. All right. <laughs> All right. Praying for the sick is a vital part of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom of thought. It is not a kingdom of belief. It's not a kingdom of ideology. It's not a kingdom of wishing and hoping. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of action. When Jesus gave the prayer to his disciples... Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was not so they could stay in a home somewhere and pray that prayer over Samaria and then stay in the home. That prayer was so that the Lord could reveal to them what he wanted to release from heaven into the earth. And then they could go and by action release it. The kingdom of God is a kingdom that requires action. 
And Luke 17, 21 says that the kingdom of God is within us. So if the kingdom is a kingdom that requires action, and the kingdom is within me, then that means the action must be required of me. And I want to propose to you that one of the main actions in the kingdom is praying for the sick and watching them be healed. Praying for the sick and watching them be healed. It, it has become a foreign concept in Western Christianity. Because we get, admittedly, nervous around people. We get skittish around people. We get worried if it doesn't go right, what's going to happen? What are people going to think? But if you look at the early church, praying for the sick and watching them recover was not out of the norm. Praying for the sick and watching them recover was actually the norm. That was what the early church did. That was how the early church carried on. That was how the early church conducted business. Was they prayed for the sick and they watched them recover. Among a myriad of other things. Which we could spend decades talking about. There are a myriad of other works within the kingdom. And we know we're not saved by works. But once we get into the kingdom it does require some work. And if we are going to be the saints of God that take the kingdom of God to the cities around us, to Winchester and Lexington and Richmond and Mount Sterling, then we've got to be the people who put in some work. Because Jesus put in work. And He is supposed to be our example. So if we're going to follow after His example, then we've got to put in some work. And that includes praying for the sick and watching them recover. But it's something that we don't talk about. It's something that we don't talk about. It's something that we mention. It's something that we hint at. It's something that we see the apostle do or maybe the pastoral team do up front on a Sunday. But I want you to know that praying for the sick is not just for the altar time on Sunday or Wednesday. Praying for the sick is for the break room. Praying for the sick is for the hospital room. Praying for the sick is for when you're walking past people on the street corners. The first miracle I ever saw when I laid my hands on somebody and watched them recover was at a Lextran bus stop. It wasn't at an altar. It was at a Lextran bus stop. That's a weird situation to be in. But that's where God enjoys moving because those people out there need Him. Ezekiel 47 is a temple and out of it is a river. And at the base of the temple, it's a trickling water. And as the prophet walks away from the temple, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper until all of a sudden it's a rushing river. What's the picture there? The prophetic picture is that the further you get away from the temple, the stronger the current is of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the people out there need a strong current. So we are supposed to be the people that lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. So how do we do it? That's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about. And you all look very excited to talk about it. Okay. I want to spend the next four weeks talking about praying for the sick. Because we have spent, if you've paid attention in the last four or five, maybe six weeks, talking about impacting the city. We have spent a lot of time talking about impacting the city. And God has been stirring this house, stirring the heart of this house. But now we've got to start putting it into action. Now we've got to start putting it into action. And praying for the sick is one of the most practical ways that we can put it into action. It is one of the most biblical ways that we can put it into action. So I want to start tonight with the very basics. And if you've been in church long, this is going to sound super basic, but we have to start at the foundation. 
We have to start at the foundation. Otherwise, it's not going to make any sense later on down the road. We're going to get into what, do you, what does it look like when you're actually praying for, praying for people who are sick. And, and what do you do when you pray for somebody and it doesn't go right? Did you know that's in the Bible? It's in the, the disciples prayed for somebody and they didn't get well. It's in the Bible. They gave us the example of what it looks like. And the example is not to stop praying for the sick, by the way. It's not to give up and turn around and fold our hands. They gave us the example of what we should do. But we're going to get into that. But we have to start with the basics. We have to start with the foundation of what is the foundation of praying for the sick. And the foundation is Jesus. The foundation is the risen Son of God who was broken open at Calvary. So that the sick could be healed. These verses, you're all going to know. But we're still going to go through them. Because it's important that we lay again the foundation. That we set again the foundation before we start to build on it. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Isaiah, we all know this one. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. The word griefs and sorrows is actually sickness and diseases. Sickness and diseases. I want you to see through these, through these scriptures here that the, chast, that the chastisement that Jesus took at the whipping post was not an oh by the way. It was not an oh by the way. The whipping post was strategically placed in the plan of Calvary. It was strategically placed in the beating and the crushing of Jesus. It was strategically put in there by the Father. Before he ever went to Calvary, he went to the whipping post on purpose. Because he knew that healing would be needed to be released in the earth. Matthew 27, look at this, verse 24 through 26. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood, see to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Before Jesus could ever be crucified, he had to be scourged. He had to be scourged. It was an intentional part of the plan of the punishing of Jesus. Psalm 22 talks about the suffering Savior. It's a prophetic word from David, the psalmist. And he talks about all my bones are out of joint. I can count all my bones. Isaiah 50 verse 6, he says, I gave my back to those who strike, my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. The punishment of the whipping post was intentional. Sometimes we treat the whipping post as an oh by the way pit stop on the way to Calvary and it was never intended to be that. He intentionally stopped at the whipping post before he went to Calvary because healing was needed to be released into the earth. Healing needed to be released into the earth. It had to be released into the earth because it declares his goodness and his glory. When healing is released, it affirms who he is. It declares that he is risen and seated at the right hand of the Father. It declares that he is the risen Son of God who he promised that he would be. He had to stop at the whipping post. Michael Culliano says, I don't know why they chained him to the whipping post. Because love would have held him there. Love would have held him there. The whipping post was always a part of the plan. It was always a part of the plan. Because he needed to stop at the whipping post so that he could release the healing the healing for the nations. John 5 verse 36. 
So Jesus intentionally stops at the whipping post so that healing can be released. But why is healing important? John 5, 36. Jesus speaking, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, they bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. They bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. I'm just going to come down here. The works that the Father has given me bear witness about me. The word bear witness is to testify. It's a witness in a courtroom. But it's also to charge. It's also to stir up, to conjure. What is, what is Jesus saying here? The works that I'm doing, they not only testify that I am who I am, but they also charge up people to be moved towards me. They also conjure up people to be moved closer to me. They also cause people to be drawn to me. The works are not just to show off. The works are not just so he can show off, I can pull somebody out of a wheelchair. That's awesome. But when he made a snake for Moses, the deceivers also made snakes. The magicians also made snakes. But the works of Jesus are so that he can draw men to him. The purpose of healing is not just so somebody can get over cancer. Thank God for that. Because a little girl shouldn't have to go through cancer in the natural But the purpose of the healing is so that men can be drawn to him. Jesus said, if I don't do the works of my father, don't believe me. But if I do the works and you can't believe me because I'm a stumbling block, because Jesus is a rock of offense, the scripture says, believe the works. What is the picture that he's painting? The works are intentional. The works have a purpose. Christianity without the works is not full Christianity. Living this life without the works is not doing the fullness of what He's invited us into. That's not to beat us down or to begrudge us, but that's to invite us into something deeper that He's offered us. He has invited us into a life to do the works that He has done. John 14, He says, The works that I do, whoever believes in Me, the same works they will do. And even greater works they will do. Why? Because I go to the Father. Because I go to the Father. The works are to draw people to Him. To draw people to Him. Jesus would say in John, I think it's John 5, that there are people who won't believe unless they see works. And a religious mindset would read that and say, yes, so don't do the works. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went ahead and healed The man's daughter. Why? Because he wanted the heart of the man. And it says he went away believing. He went away believing in Jesus. But when he got to the house and he saw that his daughter was healed, then he really believed. And it was not the word of Jesus that caused him to be drawn to Jesus. It was not the love of Jesus, but it was the work. There are people that will be drawn in by the works. And that's a rock of offense to some of us, but we're going to have to get over it. Because he'll take them however they get in the door. And he has invited us into a lifestyle. A lifestyle of being an extension of his hands. An extension of his hands. To literally lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. And for some of you, that may sound out of this world egregious to think about. 
But I want you to to think about this for the next three or four weeks. I want you to press into this over the next three or four weeks. Because this is the normal Christian lifestyle. Look at the early church. Look at Jesus and the apostles and the sons of the apostles that came after them. The Timothys and the Barnabases. And look at the lifestyles that they led. They were lifestyles that flowed with the miraculous. And it wasn't because they had a a title that said apostle so-and-so. It was because they were called son of God. And it was because they believed on the name of Jesus. And because they believed, they did things like win entire continents to Jesus. Philip the evangelist would go to Samaria... And he wouldn't just tell of the gospel of Jesus. He would start laying hands on the sick and doing miracles in Samaria. And it was when the miracles start breaking out that people ran to Philip. And they started believing in the name of Jesus. The miracles invite, uh, invite people in to the gospel story. They invite people in to the gospel story. But it cannot be just at these steps. It cannot be just at these steps. Western Christianity has boxed in the miraculous to these steps. Or to his office. Or to some back green room somewhere where the holy anointed hang out before and after service. When Jesus is asking all who believe to step out and take him at his word. And it's not because I've read enough Bible verses. And it's not because I've studied enough scripture. It's not because I've fasted enough days. It's because I believe that he is enough. That he is enough. That is the qualification. That is the qualification. It's not. It's. It's not that I earn my way into being used in the healing ministry. Or being used as an extension of his healing. It's that I just believe. I just believe that he's enough. That's all he's ever asked for is for me to believe. Every miracle is birthed out of faith. Every miracle he's ever seen overseas was not because he studied the book of Isaiah before he went and prayed for some lady's feet. He didn't free somebody of demonic oppression because he read the book of John a couple of times before he went to service that night. It was because he believed that Jesus really is enough. Really is enough. And if we believe that he really is enough, he'll show up. He'll show up and do the miraculous. I have been there. I have laid hands on the sick and watched them get worse. I have prayed for sicknesses that should have gone naturally And they stayed around longer just to prove a point. I've been there. I've been there where it feels like everybody else in the world should be used. Except me. But I've kept on believing. I've kept on believing. And I've kept on praying. And I've kept on stepping out when it doesn't make any sense. When it doesn't look right. When it doesn't feel right. When I know that I know I'm just going to get my pride beat up this time. I'm just going to get my ego crushed this time. And I've watched people stand up on broken legs. I've watched hips that were missing be replaced. Men hand over canes and walk 50 feet front and back. I've watched arthritis leave bodies. Not because I'm anything, but because I just kept believing. 
I don't tell you that because I'm anything, because I'm not. I'm not. But I trusted that he was enough. That he was enough. Because I've seen what it's, what it's like when I thought I had to be enough. But then I watched what it was like when I knew that he was enough. And when I knew he was enough, everything changed. Look at there. Everything changed when I knew he was enough. Everything changed when I knew he was enough. Rooms felt different when I knew he was enough. Situations shifted when I knew he was enough. But it's only for those who believe. Who believe. Not who are called to pastor. Or be an apostle or prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. For those who believe. And this is a house full of hundreds of believers. A house full of hundreds of Holy Spirit filled believers. Who fill Winchester and Mount Sterling and Lexington and Georgetown and Richmond on a daily basis. And we walk past people every day who got hurting backs. And hurting legs and hurting feet and hurting necks. We walk past people every day who got stuff that's aching, who got stuff that's breaking. We got people, we got people that we walk past every day who's, who have stuff that's falling apart. And we have an opportunity to step in to the impossible and to give God a chance. To give Him a chance to do what only He can do. To do what only He can do. Let me tell you, if somebody gets healed at your office, you know what they're not going to attribute it to? The devil. They're not going to say, look at all of the good, awesome, amazing things that the enemy has done. That's not what they're going to do. They're going to start giving glory to the only one who creates organs. To the only one who fixes broken limbs. To the only one who puts back together things that are out of line. That's what happens when he steps into impossible situations. Leora has a miracle that's going around the, the, the commonwealth. And I believe one day it will go around the nation and even around the world. Because God stepped into the impossible and did what only he was able to do. And it doesn't have to be on that grand of a scale. We don't, we don't have to pray for, for people with cancer. But God, if, if they're in front of us, we ought to. We ought to. But stepping into the impossibilities of life and believing that God is enough to move. That God is enough to move. If I trust Him with my soul, if I trust Him with my soul, i got to be able to trust Him with somebody's sickness. i got to be able to trust Him with somebody's sickness. And we don't have the right to say no to praying for the sick. We don't have the right. Because it's not my back that was scarred. It wasn't my back that was whipped and ripped open. It wasn't my back that I gave so that soldiers could mock me and scourge me. He gave his back so that they could have freedom. 1 John 3, 8 says he came to destroy the works of the devil. Not some of the works of the devil. Not most of the works of the devil. Not the big works of the devil. Not the cancers of the devil, but those can hang around because, yeah, he limps, but he can still get around and make a living. No, no, no. He came to destroy the works of the devil. To utterly destroy the works of the devil. And in John 17, he said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. 
So if he has sent us on the mission to co-labor with him in the mission that he was sent on, then let's go destroy the works of the devil. And we're not always going to get it right. We're going to pray for people that are sick and they're not going to get well sometimes. But we're not going to point a finger and say, you didn't have enough faith. We're going to run back to the feet of the master and say, help me do it better next time. Help me do it better next time so the next person I pray for, it doesn't even take as long and they get healed. Because there's a world that is broken and hurting. And he is looking to invade with his glory. John 2.11, Jesus had just done his first miracle at Cana at a wedding. Turned water into wine. And John said, and this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana of Galilee and manifest his glory. When he shows up, his glory is made manifest. And men can't help but be drawn to him. Men can't help but be drawn to him. What better way to evangelize Winchester than to heal the sick in the process? To evangelize Georgetown or Toyota than to heal the sick in the process? He's invited us into this thing. And it's not easy. But he's the one who does the hard work. We just have to say yes to the yielding. Stand with me tonight. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.